and welcome everyone to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. It's your host Sig Daddy here and it's the week in review for this week, the week of 12-27-2019. I just like to wish you all Merry Christmas. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas holiday. I did with my family. I hope you did with yours. But let's get this going. This week it's going to be Raw, NWA Power, and NXT as AEW took the holiday off. They'll have their next show on January 1st, the big show from Jacksonville, Florida. Before I get going, actually, I'd like to remind you to listen in on December 30th. Monday, December 30th, I'll have my year in review up for you all. It'll be the good, the bad, the ugly, some of my favorite moments and matches from 2019. Look forward to giving you that. But without further ado, let's get this thing rolling. We start out with Monday Night Raw. It starts out with our video recap of the events from the past few weeks with Seth Rollins, Owens, KO, and uh, AOP. We get a promo from KO to start things up. KO doesn't even really get to start before Mojo Rawley enters. Mojo wants an explanation to, uh, for the steel pipe thing a couple weeks ago, and KO says he wasn't even going to talk about it, actually. That was the last thing he was going to talk about, and he wasn't even going to mention it, really. And says it isn't going to be a Merry Christmas afterward. That's what Mojo says. And then we get Mojo versus KO in a no DQ match. KO, he dominates early, gets a bunch of chairs out, actually, along with the table. Mojo actually then hits one of his signature moves on the chair. Then Kip Raleigh hits KO with the chairs and sets up four of them inside of the ring, kind of sets him up. He goes for the superplex onto him. KO fights him off, but gets thrown onto them by Mojo. And then Mojo gets a near fall for his corner forearm. KO super kicks him. Swanton follows that for a near fall. And then they get the table back out. KO reverses Mojo, hits a stunner, and then a pop-up powerbomb through a table for the win. He pins him with his shin on his face. I thought that was a nice little touch there. And he got some retribution in his return to Monday Night Raw after getting beat up by Seth Rollins just a few weeks ago in AOP. And then he destroys Raleigh late, late in the match. I like how they destroy. he destroys Raleigh late in the match. And uh, KO talks afterward. It says he has plenty of fight left. He wants Rollins and company to come out. And he's not leaving until they come out and beat the living, ever-loving crap out of him. Rollins and KO come out post-commercial. And then KO stands out there with the chair. And Rollins talks like he's saying that it's time to come to the right side of history. Extends his hand. KO... Just stares at it, walks around, and then super kicks Rollins. It's pretty much Rollins. KO hits a, hits a move or two, and then he gets the crap beat out of him by AOP and Seth Rollins. And Rollins ends up stomping him afterward and leaving. I'm loving heel Seth Rollins right now. This is so much better than face Seth Rollins. And the KO match beforehand, I thought it was it was good enough. And KO he gets some retribution, like I said. And it, Mojo got to look good for a few moments. We don't ever get to see him on TV anymore, but he looked good in what he did there. And then Samoa Joe is talking on commentary. He's this will probably be the last time he's on commentary for quite a while, as he'll be probably, he'll be returning to in ring action here pretty soon. But he says he comes from a line of bad men. He says AOP aren't bad men; they're thugs. And says you need to strike first and strike hard. 
in order to get ahead of them. And it seems like K. I think this is leading into Ko having a a partner and a friend, and uh, Samoa Joe. And that'd be a, I think that'd be a pretty cool team because they just they just be badass together. I think, and I'm all for it. Like it is, I'm all for it. That just screams dollar signs to me. I see merch already with Samoa Ko or something like that on a T-shirt. And then we get our truth seg. We have multiple our truth segments. This this uh episode of Raw where he's uh with Tazawa and they're just chasing each other around New York City. It's a lot of fun. These segments were great. Tazawa and R-Truth have a lot of chemistry together, which is... I, I never would have thought of R-Truth and Tazawa working together, but it, it works for me. It was very entertaining stuff all night. The best stuff of the night. I think it was the best stuff on Monday Night Raw, really. Entertaining segments back and forth. Santa even won the uh, 24-7 title on this show. Tazawa wins it. Santa wins it. Eventually, R-Truth gets it back, and then they they eventually call a truce by the end of it. It was a lot of entertaining segments, but uh, I love the the 24-7 championship stuff. And then then later on, it was uh, Lashley with Lana coming out for a match, and then post-commercial, we get a recap of the segment last week. And how it was the proposal of Lana and Lashley. Yuck. But uh, then we get the Lana Lashley wedding next week. And we get Cedric Alexander versus Bobby Lashley. This was not a bad match. I really enjoyed this match, except the Lana part. But I, the whole point is for Lana to be super annoying, which I understand that. She interrupts mid match and kind of tells Cedric, Who the hell do you think you are? And then talks about her wedding and plugs it like five thousand times in two seconds, and says have some have some respect and he can't show it up bruise, and they have to be focused on their vows. And Lana saying that she invites pretty much everyone to the wedding, which is all right. And then they they talk. Lana's like, oh, let's have a classic Greco-Roman match, which never happens. Kind of weird. I don't understand that. But on back to the match. Uh, Cedric got his offense in. He got caught at one time, and then Bobby dominates for a while. Gets hit with a flatliner from Alexander. Scoop slam. He gloats in the corner, gets drop kicked off by Alexander. Alexander hits his big clothesline, flies through the bottom rope. Tope con Hilo, very pretty. Hits an enziguri for a two count. Alexander gets caught with a version of the dominator, and then Alexander catches Lashley with a drop kick to the knees as he was going for the spear. And then a drop kick in the corner. He goes for the clothesline, back for the springboard clothesline. Lashley ducks, plants Alexander, and then gets hit with, then gives Alexander a spear for a three count. And I thought this was a fun match. I really, I enjoyed this match. It was nice to see Alexander on TV. Just, he's kind of used his enhancement talent right now, which I really think he shouldn't be. But that's the way they're booking him right now. But I know this is building up Lashley a bit. But, uh, yeah, Alexander and Lashley had a pretty good match there. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then, like I said, they put on a really enjoyable match. And this, if you give Cedric time, he can have a really good match. Flat out. And he did there. Then we get Charlie interviewing Seth in the back, asking what she's trying to achieve with his attacks of brutality. 
He said he extended his hand to KO, and then says KO just picks a fight with pretty much with them every single week, and he's asking for it. Uh, we another twenty four seven championship segment. I kind of covered all those here just a few minutes ago. But a sack rider with Hawkins versus McIntyre. I just feel like there's no direct. This match did nothing for McIntyre. This is no. There's no direction for him. There's no storyline for him right now. This was destruction. I, I that, that's the one word I had to describe this. But a Claymore gets it done in this one, and a future shock DDT post match on Zack Ryder. I love that move. And uh, Claymore kicked to Hawkins also after the match. And I just think seriously, how do you not have this guy? in title contention or some kind of storyline for him to be involved in right now. And honestly, in my fair opinion, I mean, in my opinion in general, is he should be a world champion by now. He has yet to win a singles title in WWE since he's came back up to the main roster. He won a tag team championship with Dolph Ziggler and that was about it. He's done nothing yet. Hopefully they have something here soon. Maybe maybe it's a real Royal Rumble win. Something for him because he is he should be treated as a much bigger deal than he is right now. These squash matches, I get you're trying to build him up and kind of recover his character a little bit, but you've got to give him wins against big names. That's the way you build somebody up. I know you get these squash matches only work for so long. He's been doing them for the past two or three weeks. Let's get him somebody. Uh, this is just this is part of the this is part of the problem is the overcrowding of the main roster in my opinion. There's too many guys there and there's not enough spots for storylines. We all find out that Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy is set for next week, and then we get Alexander Black versus Dion Rusman. Black sweeps him immediately to start match, hits his. It's a spinning back kick to the gut, knee to the face. Black Mass ends it. That was an effective squash because what we got right after that was Buddy Murphy crossing paths with Alistair Black and just doing a one-upsmanship type of thing. Jumping knee by Murphy. Murphy law, Murphy's Law ends it. Like I said, it was a nice little game to one-upsmanship that makes sense. Those guys are heavy hitters. They had a great match at TLC. I really enjoyed that one. That was one of the best matches. I think that was the best match of the show, if I remember right. And But yeah, this builds up the match for next week. I don't mind these guys fighting each other because it's, it's really good. It's really good when they get an opportunity. And then afterward... Black extends his hand. Murphy denies it. Shoulder bumps him. Walks away for a second. He's going to think about saying something to Black. Walks back. Turns into Black Mass. And Murphy sold that like a freaking champ. A freaking champ. It was a great sell. And that, honestly, I think it's like an RKO pretty much. Not like an RKO. Not like exactly an RKO, but it's like it could be something coming out of nowhere. But I love the Black Mass. This is sets the stage for next week in the rematch from TLC. Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black enjoyed that effective use of the squash match. Squash matches format. 
But yeah, up next we got a video showing the how the Mysterio Rollins U.S. title match came about. Speaking of that, Rey Mysterio lost his U.S. title last night against Andrade at Madison Square Garden. A rare house show title change happened. Alistair Black is the not Alistair Black. Andrade is the new United States champion, and I don't mind it. He needed something. He needed a championship. He hasn't done, hasn't won anything since he's been on the main roster. But now he's got the U.S. championship. So hopefully he can uh, have a good reign with that, have some good matches, and hopefully build himself up to the main event scene here in the not so far away future. Then Charlie interviews Ray after that. Talks about his upcoming first-time match with Seth Rollins here tonight for the U.S. Championship. Rollins challenged him last week, and then he says the match will have an asterisk by it because he knows that Rollins and AOP, it's Rollins and AOP pretty much versus himself, and he says he'll walk out U.S. Champion tonight. Then up next was Tony Nese versus Ricochet, and this is, again, this is the it's the evident fact that there's not there's guys... There's guys that should have something going on that don't, like McIntyre and Ricochet. Rick and Ricochet was just involved, like I said, in the storyline with Randy Orton, kind of their weird alliance. And that seems to be just completely put on the back burner for Randy Orton and AJ Styles. I hope they come back to it because it was actually pretty interesting. And then Nice, he's pretty good when he gets an opportunity. This was a fun sprint. And then Ricochet gets a much-needed win. Right after that, well, after that, we got another U.S. Yeah, 24-7 championship segment. Following that, it was Charlotte Flair versus Chelsea Green, a.k.a. Zack Ryder's girlfriend, actually fiancé. She's, she's on NXT right now. She's also a former Impact Knockouts champion. She got a bit of offense against Charlotte before eating the big boot from Flair. Flair then puts in the figure eight for the win, getting her right on track, right back on track after TLC. She yeah, she ate a loss at TLC and then got her right back on track after TLC. Following that was another 24-7 championship segment. We got a, uh, another Liv Morgan vignette after that, talking about her makeover. And then for... Another match. This is a lot. There is a lot of stuff going on in this show. That was this show was packed for three hours, but we got the Orton Orton and the Viking Raiders versus the OC. I thought this was an all right tag match. Uh, Orton RKO's and like the closing stretch goes a little bit like this. Eric gets hot tagged in. Eric destroys Carl Anderson. Then Ivar gets tagged in. Plants Gallows destroys Styles, and then Viking Experience. On Anderson hits, Gallows breaks it up. Styles hits some moves on Eric. Styles gloats. Orton RKO's Anderson, then Gallows takes out Orton's knee that was injured last week when he took on AJ Styles. Then Styles wins with a phenomenal forearm to Orton. After well, phenomenal forearm, yeah, phenomenal forearm on Orton to win. Styles and Orton feud will continue, which I'm enjoying what they're doing so far. It's just kind of weird that Orton Orton had like two or three things going on and they just kind of dropped, like went on the back burner completely because it was like uh, uh, Ricochet and McIntyre that he had something possibly 
teasing. They were teasing something there, and those kind of just kind of disappeared for this. We've already seen Styles versus Orton, so, but I don't mind seeing it again. The good thing about this was Viking Raiders didn't have to eat another pin, and I thought this was a pretty fun closing stretch for the tag match. And then after that was another U, uh, 24-7 championship segment. Rowan talks to his thing in the cage. Street Profits do their thing, talking about the wedding and the thing in Rowan's cage. And the one thing I took from this is they they keep shoving the Street Profits saying down our throats, we want the smoke. I, I don't know. It's just, it's in my opinion, it's annoying. We don't need that every single week to them to say, we want the smoke. Like I said, and I love them. I love them. They're very entertaining, but they've really done nothing of substance on the main roster yet. They really haven't had any matches, any big wins other than their like first match or debut or whatever. I just wish they had more to do with these guys because these guys are uber talented. I know they, they do entertain when they have those little segments those like that, the Monday after the weekend report, that was pretty funny, but they haven't done anything really in ring other than, yeah, they just haven't done anything in ring really all that much. They haven't done a whole lot of in ring stuff. Then we get Rowan versus Jobber. Jobber attempts to give him candy canes as this is a like right before Christmas so he can see the thing in the cage. Goes underneath the ring. These guys, like honestly, these Jobbers are incredibly stupid or anybody that faces Rowan is incredibly stupid. Because week after week, they keep trying to look at this thing in the cage when they know they're just going to absolutely get destroyed if they do. And honestly, this thing is beyond stupid at this point. This has not done anything for Rowan, in my opinion. Supposedly, Vince McMahon's pretty high on him. But I could really do without this and the Bobby Lashley and Lana stuff. But actually, I'd rather have the Bobby Lashley-Lana stuff than this. And really, Rowan, like I said, he's not beaten anybody relevant yet. And he's been doing these job, these uh, squash matches for weeks on end, and it's getting old. And it hasn't made him any more interesting than he already wasn't. Another 24-7 championship segment. Then we get Rusev versus No Way Jose. Rusev cuts a pre-match promo, says he has mixed emotions. Says he was screwed at TLC. He's he's upset about that, and he will do something about that. But is he upset about the Lashley-Lana wedding? Heck no. It'll be the greatest day of his life. And you know what he said? Lana's, Lana's wedding day will still be the Rusev day. And the funny thing, I think... They ran out of heels to face Rusev tonight because they had so many guys out there. But it actually made uh, it, it actually became interesting because uh, this, this is how the match goes. Jose chops Rusev, gets hit with the Machka kick, and gets pinned. Rusev wins in dominant fashion. He hits the windmill like a break dance after the win. Then he Rusev. Then he dances with the conga line. Receives kisses from the conga line. And dances. And that, I, this one thing, at least the part of this storyline, it's kept Rusev super over with the fans. I absolutely love Rusev. Give me all the Rusev segments. All Rusev all the time. Another interview with Seth. And gets asked what this match means to him. 
And he says he's going to beat Ray tonight for the U.S. title to establish dominance. We get Rollins with Akem and Razor ringside against Ray for the U.S. championship in the main event. Rollins is wearing a glove for this one. I remember hearing that he suffered maybe a broken finger the previous weekend. And then that this that the raw that took this raw was pre-taped the same day as the uh last week's Monday Night Raw. But uh early on Ray misses a 619, gets thrown in the post and outside the ring before commercial break. Yeah, he's got back from break Rollins in control. Ray hits a head scissors on Rollins to the outside. Sunset flip wall bomb, which is just beautiful. Rey Mysterio, he continues to innovate as he gets older. Seated senton. Tornado DDT by Ray gets a long two count. Goes for a cross body, but then gets buckle bombed. Then super kicked. Mysterio gets the hand on bottom rope for the two count after that. And then miss. Then Rollins misses the stomps. Hurricane Rana, 619. And then Hakem and the Rezar interfere to force the DQ and Joe afterwards says it only gets worse from here he's just playing up AOP on the commentary and then they drag Mysterio up the ramp bring him over to the table everyone moves besides Samoa Joe Joe threatens them ready to throw them out ready to throw down well, yeah, Joe threatens him. He's ready to throw down. Rollins then backs him off. Rollins tells Akem and Razor to finish Joe. Joe gets beaten down. Rollins hits a stomp on Ray. AOP then puts Joe through the announce table to end the show. And that was the most interesting Rollins has been in a while. This is an interesting feud that it's that is brewing. Samoa Joe, it's going to be probably going to be Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, and Kevin Owens all teaming up to take on this big, powerful new group. We haven't had a really big, dominant group in WWE in quite a while, and this should be a very good one. Loving heel Seth Rollins. This gives AOP something really good to do. But this Raw was, I thought this for the most part, this Raw was pretty good. We had some good matches. Uh, Just a couple little things like the... Rowan match, the Ricochet match, and pretty much it. That was that was all I thought that was anything like remotely bad on the show. It wasn't like what Ricochet th- match wasn't bad. It was fun sprint. It was just the way it's they've been dealing with these guys without storylines and such. It just kind of annoys me. But really, this was a pretty good episode of Raw. I thought to. Well, the pre-Christmas, pre I thought this was a pretty good pre-Christmas Raw in general. I thought it was. NWA Power, we get a video recap of the end of the end to Into the Fire and last week's episode telling the story of Nick Aldis, Marty Skrull, and Tim Storm. And they show the controversial ending from last week where Camille spears Tim Storm and then they all join together. Camille, the wild cards, Thomas Latimer, Royce Isaacs and Nick Aldis. First off, we get Nick all we get Dave Marquez with Trevor Murdoch and Zicky Dice. Murdoch announces he's got an NWA contract, gets interrupted. Zicky Dice talks how he spent a night with the dancer. Murdoch and him kind of go back and forth and such. 
And the Pope D'Angelo De Niro shows up. Interesting little debut there. He lets the congregation have their little moment and says NWA has brought chains and talks about the, the trendsetters, the trailblazers, the Briscoes, Funks, Dusty Rhodes, Rock and Roll Express. He holds up the four horsemen's fingers and he's kind of looking for his own four horsemen. And Dice asks him before he finishes, is he what Pope Pope's looking for? Pope then points and walks to the commentary table. And then we get a qualifier match for the TV title. Starks and Kingston, Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston, with a six-minute and five-second time limit. Kingston, he dominates a good portion of this match. Nice little back and forth. Starks gets more of a Starks is more of a high flyer. Like Kingston, it was a he's more of a meat and potatoes guy. Punch you in the mouth. Starks hits his double underhook face bust, underhook face buster, and pins Kingston for the three count with just 155 left to go. I thought this was the right decision in booking, booking wise, as Starks really is the young up and comer. Maybe give him a couple of wins before maybe he falls short at the end of this uh, TV title tournament. Then Pope he looks at Kingston post match and just kind of nods his head. Maybe teasing an alliance with Pope, with uh, Pope Kingston and D'Angelo De Niro. Then we get a commercial break, and after we see the end of Power from last week, where Tim Storm was jumped by Camille. Same thing we just saw, pretty much. Uh, Dave Marquez is then with Royce Isaacs and May Valentine talks about how he's happy because he's with his girl and introducing it. introduces her. I mean, talks about the new alliance. Says he wants a singles match with anybody to show his girl that he, what he can really do. Storm, James Storm then shows up, says he's got a beer on ice in the back, and says he's going to kick his ass and then tip his girl's ass. <laughs> nice little promo there by uh, James Storm. Then we get the Royce Isaacs-James Storm match, and this was nothing. Isaacs just completely wastes time kissing his girl, hesitates getting in the ring, gets a massage from her, Storm then... Approaches him outside of the ring. They brawl before the bell rings. And then once the match gets started, Storm hits him with strikes. Goes for the super kick. Then Royce Isaacs rolls out of the ring and then just leaves pretty much. And then the ref's slowly counting him out. Then Storm just says, he's not coming back, so he just tells him to speed up the count. And then he gets the crowd hype for the 10. And James Storm wins by count out. And honestly, this just seemed like a complete waste of time. And honestly, this was the worst thing I've seen on a show for NWA so far. I, I did not like that. That was just, I felt like that was a complete waste of the part of the hour. After that, we got Dave Marquez interviewing Eli Drake. While he's drinking a bottle of wine, does a bunch, does a bunch of, yeah, Talking about Christmas time, New Year's, new goals. Says his shoes are the shoes of a champion. And he says, this is a funny line. He says, the jacket right here are the shoes of a champion. <laughs> He's playing off that like a little bit. He's drunk and stuff. I thought this is hilarious. I thought this was great. Eli Drake, give me more of him. He's just awesome at interacting with the fans. He lets the crowd, he lets it the lets his words soak in with the crowd before he speaks again. 
And then you see one on tw- one on one, two on one, 32 on one, 102 on one. I got it all night. And that's not an insult. That's just a fact of life. End of the end of the promo by Eli Drake. Then we get Josephus Claus with another woman singing a Christmas carol. Eli Drake interacts with him in the crowd, just throwing in yeahs every every once in a while. Then all this and company crash the party. They join Marquez. Then Aldis is feeling festive. He gives his group a bunch of jackets, team jackets. And then Marquez wants to ask about Camille. And then Aldis pretty much says, nope. Tells him to get his mind out of the gutter. And says the mystery was all part of the plan. And he worked all of the fans. He talks about Ricky Morton. Says the reason why everyone is here is because of him. That's Aldis speaking. He tells Morton and Gibson to come out. They come out. And he wants Morton to clarify his comments from last week. He says him, Flair, and Ray spent their whole life building this business while Aldis has only been doing it for two years. And then Aldis says, tells Morton to think clearly before he even opens his mouth again. Aldis is fully embracing this heel character. I'm enjoying it. I like it so far. I also I always saw Nick Aldis as more of a heel than a face character, and I think this is just working out great. Following the commercial, we get a recap of the events between Molina, Thunder Rosa, Marty Bell, and then the team of Kay, ODB, and Ashley Vox from Into the Fire. Six woman tag is up next. Person scoring the fall will get to pick their opponent for next week's match. So ODB and Rosa start. ODB dominates early. K tags in, goes for the powerbomb, gets hit with the neckbreaker. Bell then with a running knee after getting tagged in. Eventually we get Vox and Molina. Ref distracted. Triple team from Molina's team. Extended beatdown session on Vox, who's selling her arm injury. That was injured at Into the Fire by Thunder Rosa. And uh, K gets a hot tag, hits a huge pump kick. Jawbreaker from Molina tags in Rosa. ODB hits her fallaway slam after blind tagging Vox in. Missile dropkick Vox. Bell then attacks Vox and K gets thrown face first into the ring post. Vox puts on her submission. Rosa bites her. Then Rosa hits her shoulder breaker. Michinoku driver like finisher for the win and the pin. Rosa that was going to introduce get in, she was getting interviewed post match and it was getting asked who she chose as her opponent. Molina then chooses ODB for cuz Molina's all in it for herself. They're playing off of that. Molina wants her Molina wants herself to take the title from Allison K, not one of her teammates. I like that. It's a little bit of dissension in the ranks and then Rosa is like, "Oh, I, I guess I choose ODB." But I thought this wasn't a bad match. I, I it wasn't bad. And then following that, we get Marquez with someone to uh, pick out names for the tourney, well, the next tourney matches. It's Tim Storm and Nick Aldis. That should be a good one, folks. Storm then comes out, cuts a promo, talk about how Mama Storm turned 95 this week. Mama Storm chant from the fans says he spent time with his mom. And he talks how his mom didn't retire until she was 78 years old. Talks how his dad left them. She asked them. She asked 
So she, he said she asked him how long he, he wants to do this professional wrestling thing and says his mom really is the reason why he keeps going. Says his mom went to work because she said she had something left to prove. Mama told him he's got something left to prove. He quotes Dusty Rhodes, says he's a little bit old and his body's a little broke down, but he's bad and they know he's bad. And this makes for, this is going to be fun next week. And that was a great promo. And he says he'll always be Mama Storm's baby till the day I die. And says we have something left to prove. And it starts with Nick Aldis next week. This should be fun. Maybe a redemption story for Tim Storm. I'm really looking forward to their match. With uh, Well, looking forward to the Tim Storm-Nick Aldis match next week. Following that, we get the question mark versus Cole Cabana in a TV title qualifying match. Cabana plays some mind games early on with him during the match, tries to get repeated pinfalls, trade chops. Cabana hits a bionic elbow and a running forearm, chop in the corner, runs in, hits a flying hip on question mark. Big splash from the second rope, hits a couple of jumping chops, then actually question mark hits some jumping chops. Cabana Hits his own, goes up top, gets caught with the Mongrovian spike and pinned at the three-minute mark. And question mark, he just keeps his momentum going, which I think they should do. After that, Aaron Stevens with question mark backstage post-match talks how they have all the belts because they all they all have the power of karate. Honestly, other than the James Storm stuff, this was a very good episode of NWA Power. Continue the storylines. Continues the question marks momentum. Continues to tell the story of the, well, the six kind of the women's groups in, well, Molina's group. Continues kind of a little bit of dissension there possibly. And Eli Drake, kind of the outsider on the outside looking in for the NWA World Championship. I think he's going to get a title match here sooner rather than later. But yeah, this is a pretty good, effective episode of NWA Power. And then this week, it was NXT I got to watch. I couldn't watch AEW Dynamite, like I said, because it was not on this week. So we got NXT. I watched it on Christmas. And I don't know, I just didn't... I, I, just, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling this episode of NXT, in all honesty. First match was Roderick Strong versus Austin Theory in an open challenge for the NXT North American Championship. Austin Theory, he's a former Evolve World Champion. At a one point, uh, Austin Theory hits a torture rack bomb, which gets a near fall, and Strong goes back, body drop into the apron, close closing stretch, fighting up top. Strong hits his backbreaker on the top turn. Buckle long two count strong. Actually, theory hits a suplex. Strong hits a theory with a suplex on the apron. Actually, no, theory hits a suplex on the apron. After another very long two count, trade strikes. Theory hits his shot to the leg, goes for the finisher, but strong reverses into a flying knee, hits end of heartache. Excuse me, which is a suplex backbreaker. It puts theory in a stronghold to make him tap. I thought this was a nice introduction for Theory. This is a very slow and methodically paced match. And it was a nice build to the end. And Theory looked good in his debut, just falling to Roderick Strong. This was 
Up next, we got Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Gentleman Jack Gallagher. This show was kind of different because it was taped at both Full Sail and at the uh, Barclays Center. And the commentary teams were like this. It was Morrow and uh, Nigel in Orlando. And then we got Tom Phillips and Beth Phoenix in Brooklyn. And the next match was all right. I just felt like this was a bit slow. The one, one of the spots in this match was like scary. It sounded scary because Swerve got stomped Galher's arm down and it sounded like a freaking gunshot. And uh, Swerve won with a kick to the face. I thought this was a nice psychology with the like the all the arm work they were doing. They were focusing on the arm, but in my opinion, it was just a little too slow paced for me. I, I didn't really enjoy that match all that much, but it was not bad. We had NXT Year End Awards for next week with the actually they'll be airing the three biggest matches from this last year, which should be a fun episode of NXT. And it should be interesting. In saying that, because they got to go against AEW Dynamite, this is going to be interesting because it's a recap show, really. It's an award show for the year of 2019 for NXT, and AEW will have actually a live show going on. So it'll be interesting to see the ratings this week, this next week. As I looked at them re- recently, it was NXT with, well, unopposed, they drew eight, over 860,000 viewers on this episode of. Uh, NXT. We got Tynara versus Candice LeRae. The closing stretch, that one was LeRae putting her hair in a ponytail. Hits shots to Tynara in a cor- in the corner. Hits the top rope. Drop kick for the long two count. LeRae misses with an insiguri. Tynara misses with her own pump kick. LeRae hits her back senton on her back and hits a lion salt for the win. I thought this wasn't bad. And what gives LaRae a win, and it gives her some momentum going into 2019 as she's kind of, they mentioned on commentary, they just had a kind of a hot and cold 2019. She's kind of had a hot and cold 2019. Following the LaRae Tynara match, it was Dijakovic, Dominic Dijakovic versus Bronson Reed. It was a hard hitting match. It was all right, big mad match. Dijakovic won with the giant bomb off the middle rope. And I described this show at this point. It was just felt kind of lifeless to me. I don't know why, but I just did. I wasn't feeling this show at this point. Then we get a video package for Worlds Collide Best of NXT versus NXT UK on January 25th. That should be fun. Then the main event is announced Undisputed Era versus Imperium at Worlds Collide. That should be a heck of a match. Interesting eight man tag team match. Next on the show, Bianca Belair versus Shotzi Blackheart in her debut. She's in a former Evolve Women's Champion. Uh, Blackheart hits a flipping senton on Belair. Went for a drop kick through the ropes. Got caught. Drop kicked on the apron. Belair dominates through the break. It's a handspring moonsault. That was pretty impressive. Nice rolling face buster by Blackheart. She sort of hit a tornado DDT on the apron. And then Blackheart goes up. Makes a mistake. Belair hits a KOD for the win. And really, I wrote this. That and the Roderick Strong match, those were the two strongest matches of the, of the night up until this point. And they weren't all that great, in my opinion. But the main event, I think the main event kind of saved the show. 
Damian Priest and Tony Nese versus Leo Rush and Keith Lee. This is just a fun match. Rush and Keith Lee are a fun team to watch. Damian Priest and Tony Nese, they held their own in this. Closing stretch, Lee catches Nese, throws him into the barrier. Priest goes for a plancha and gets caught, thrown into Nice, and then powerbombed on the apron. Then Lee hits a jackhammer on Nice. Final hour from the top rope from Leo Rush. Gets the three count, and honestly, that was easily the best thing of the night. It was just entertaining and very fun to watch. All of them did very well in this match. And honestly, the match this match saved, saved the show, in my opinion. And it was the best thing by far on this show. And, and that's going to close out this review, the weekend review. My top three rankings for this week go like this. NWA Power at number one, a surprise at number two, Monday Night Raw. And at number three in the last place ranking, and they'll probably be the, it'll be the only time, well, it'll be the last time NXT will be mentioned in the weekend review in 2019. I probably will have them on in 2020 at some point. But yeah, NXT finishes third. So NWA Power 1, Raw 2, and then NXT number 3 this week. I just don't know if it was a Christmas holiday. I was just not feeling anything on that show other than the strong Bel Air and strong match, the Bel Air match, and then the tag match to end the show. But yep, that's going to do it for me for this episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Before I go, make sure to follow me on the socials, Facebook, and Twitter at Sig Daddy Wrestle. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcast, and on Spotify. And make sure to tune in December 30th, Monday, December 30th, for my year in review the good, the bad, the ugly, my favorite matches, my favorite moments, from the year of 2019. Look forward to bringing you that here real soon. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.